The bedrock and surface deposits of Pennsylvania span over a billion years of geologic time. Pennsylvania literally rocks. Welcome to the PCPG podcast series. The Pennsylvania Council of Professional Geologists invites you to join us on a journey to explore the geology of the Keystone State and to meet the people who study it and work with it in their everyday lives. Welcome to the PCPG podcast series. I'm your host, Russ Losco. Earth is unique in the solar system in many ways. She alone of all the planets exhibits plate tectonics, has plentiful liquid water on the surface, and boasts a powerful protective magnetic field that shields her from solar radiation. But probably the most significant thing is that Earth is the only planet known to support life. But why is that so? This is a question that scientists have wrestled with for some time, especially as we explore Mars and Venus in hopes of finding some sign of life, however primitive they may be. Perhaps the key to life on Earth is much simpler and more humble than what we may think. As it turns out, one of the most unique aspects of our planet is often ignored even though it is found practically everywhere. Alone of all of the planets in this solar system, the Earth is coated in a layer of soil, the very skin of Mother Earth. First and foremost, soil is not just dirt. Soil is a complex, living medium. There are more individual organisms in a single teaspoon of soil than there are human beings on the planet. So profuse is the soil biome that if you go outside and dig up a handful of soil from your garden, you can be sure that there are organisms within that handful that have not yet been classified by science. Soil is a symbiotic collaboration between biology and geology. Soil evolved from the bedrock of Earth as it weathers in fragments, but the origins of soil are paradoxical. The rate of natural erosion far exceeds the rate of breakdown of bedrock, so logically, no soil should have formed except in isolated depressions. All of the past sediments should have eroded off into the oceans to be recycled as new bedrock, but that has not happened. Instead, we find this omnipresent coating of soil on virtually every portion of the planet, to the point that a lack of soil where a bedrock outcrop occurs is a relatively rare feature on large portions of the planet's surface. So how did soil even come to exist? It wasn't until the evolution of biological films approximately 3.2 billion years ago during the Archean Eon that we find the beginnings of soil. These cyanobacteria tied together to form films and mats that loosely knit the sediments together into a biological-geological collaboration. This substrate bound the eroding loose sediments together, preventing their removal. In turn, the biomats derived nutrients from the sediments and then excreted organic matter that further changed the nature of the material. This matrix, forming on the face of the primordial planet, then slowly began to provide a substrate for plant colonization, as well as a nutrient sink and a shelter for invertebrates. Without this collaboration, colonization of the land was impossible. As Charles Kellogg said, essentially all life depends upon the soil. There can be no life without soil and no soil without life. They have evolved together. 
From this lowly and rather unlikely beginning, soil began to spread across the planet to become the dominant feature, so ubiquitous that we often ignore it because it is so common and plentiful. So common is the soil that many people go through their entire lives without noticing it unless they happen to track it into their home. This skin of the planet, directly or indirectly, provides humanity and most of the creatures on Earth with virtually all of our food and fiber. Even marine and aquatic creatures rely on subaqueous soils for much of their lives. Soil is literally the very fabric of the web of life. It is the source from which the basics of life are derived and the sink to which these constituents return when death claims us. Soil is the great recycling bin, storing things until the next wave of life needs them. In this way, soil is the unbroken chain that binds every living creature today to every living being that ever existed. Every bean, every ear of corn, every slice of bread ties us to the dinosaur, the trilobite, or the Devonian tree that once cycled that same carbon and bundle of nutrients through their tissues. The soil also acts as a filter and a buffering mechanism. For eons, the hydrologic cycle has recycled water across the planet. Solar radiation causes evaporation, then atmospheric cooling produces condensation and eventually precipitation, which then either runs off into streams and rivers or soaks into the soil. As the water percolates downward through the soil, three significant things occur. First, the water picks up dissolvable ions and transports them. This process physically and chemically changes the minerals in the soil. This makes nutrients more available to the micro and macroorganisms found in the soil and in turn allows them to further break down the soil particles and make them more mobile. Second, the water physically transports small particles, such as clay minerals, downward through the soil profile. This continues transforming the soil, enriching deeper horizons with smaller, more active clay minerals and changing the nature of the soil. Third, the clay minerals and organic matter trap pollutants by a process known as adsorption. This is when charged particles, such as cations, are trapped by the electrical charge of clay minerals or organic matter. In this way, the water is purified. This living filter of soil has provided the earth with a huge store of fresh, safe, potable groundwater throughout its history. So efficient is this system that we have trouble replicating its results in the laboratory. So perfect is this system that it has operated autonomously for over 3 billion years without fail. Glaciations have been huge contributors to soil development. The Australian naturalist Tim Flannery once said, There is only one question you need to ask of a continent in order to determine the fate of its people. Did you have a good ice age? The continents that did have extensive glaciation during the Pleistocene epoch, North America, Europe, and Asia, have excellent soils for agriculture. The continents that did not have widespread glaciation, Africa, South America and Australia are not nearly as fertile. Visiting a modern-day alpine glacier illustrates this beautifully. Glaciers are like giant power sanders. They grind up bedrock and transport the resulting rock flower to the terminus of the glacial front. 
Unlike the common expectation of glaciers, the moraine of an active glacier is a dirty, jumbled mass of random fragments of rocks and piles of loose sediment that have been abraded from the bedrock. The meltwater from a glacier is a murky gray as it is heavily laden with sediments. Catabatic winds pick up the silt and clay-sized particles and transport them by air, blanketing the landscape. This delivers finely textured new soil, rich in minerals to vast areas. Now imagine, if you will, scaling that process up to the continental scale. Imagine the Laurentide ice sheet at the last glacial maximum, 15 to 18,000 years ago. 2.5 million square kilometers of power sander churning out huge amounts of rock flour to be transported on the winds. The dark, fertile soils in the American Great Plains, the mollusols, which have developed in these deposits, deposits which reach thicknesses of 25 feet or more. Pennsylvania's soils have benefited from this process as well. Recent research shows lust deposits, albeit shallower than in the Midwest, in numerous places in the state. Broad deposits of lust have been found in southeastern Pennsylvania, capping the native soil beneath. These lust deposits are most likely derived from the most recent glaciation, the Wisconsin glaciation. Recently, pre-Wisconsin lust has been identified in northern Pennsylvania as well as in the Delmarva Peninsula. Soil is in constant motion, changing and evolving in response to five factors. Climate, biological activity, topography, parent material, and time. These five factors, acting together in varying degrees, have produced this nearly unbroken coating of soil that sheathes the planet. The skin is continuous and yet so widely varied the classification of all of its permutations is daunting to even the most experienced of scientists. In moist, temperate climates, such as in Pennsylvania, we find relatively deep soils with layers known as argillic horizons beneath the topsoil, so named because of the enrichment in clay minerals. These soils are known as alpha-sols and altasols, and are some of the most common in the northeastern United States. These soils are generally very good for agriculture, among other things. In northern Pennsylvania, in paraglacial and glacial depressions that hold water, plant matter can accumulate for millennia, forming thick deposits of peat. These organic soils are known as histosols. The forested uplands of northern Pennsylvania accumulate significant amounts of leaf litter, producing a thick, organic-rich topsoil. This then leaches organic acids into the subsoils. These acids then strip iron, aluminum, and clay from the immediate subsurface horizon, leaving a layer of pale, coarse sand directly beneath the topsoil. These soils are known as spodosols. In places where soil is young, such as recent deposits on floodplains or at the base of steep slopes, little development has occurred and the soils show very few layers or horizons. These recent soils are known as entosols and inceptosols, depending on the degree of development. These six soil orders make up the vast majority of the soils found in Pennsylvania and in the northeastern United States. In other regions, additional soil orders can be found. 
Midwestern North America is dominated by finely textured dark black soils with thick topsoils that are very rich and fertile. These soils, born of thick lust deposits, evolved in the grasslands, fed by black carbon from prairie fires and millennia of droppings from huge herds of bison and other large megafauna. These are known as mollusols. Certain areas of the southern and western United States exhibit soils with high shrink swell potential. The clay minerals there expand on contact with water, then shrink during dry times. These exhibit deep vertical cracks in the dry season, yielding their name, the vertisols. In colder regions where permafrost occupies the landscape, the soils are known as gelisols. Desert regions su support a specific soil order known as aridosols. These are known for concentrations of salt, calcium, and the formation of hard pans. This is one of the reasons that deserts are known for flash floods, because rain, when it does fall, cannot infiltrate into the soil, so instead it runs off. Tropical regions tend to receive a lot of precipitation. Easily a third to a half of the precipitation in the world falls in the tropics. These areas can develop deep, bright red soils that are largely composed of clay, highly enriched in iron and aluminum, but largely lacking in the nutrients needed by plants. These soils, previously known as laterites, are the oxisols. Lastly, areas of significant active volcanism, such as the areas found in the Pacific Rim, the so-called Ring of Fire, exhibit the andesols soils derived from volcanic ash. Soil may seem humble, but these seemingly modest combinations of sand, silt, clay, organic matter, dissolved ions and nutrients are the very basis of the biosphere of the planet. It is also quite literally the foundation of human civilization. Indeed, the collapse of past civilizations can almost always be tied to misuse or degradation of the soil to the point that food production decreases. Soil not only provides us with our food, but it supports our buildings and roads. It cloaks the landscape, hiding and protecting the Earth's treasures beneath it. So next time you look at the mud on your boots, scrape off overburden from a rock sample, plant a flower, or walk through a meadow, pause for a moment and think. Give the earth her due and contemplate the particular beauty, the long history, the singularly unique characteristic, this great thing that sets earth apart, that allows for life. Behold, the soil that makes up the skin of our mother earth. This podcast is a production of the Pennsylvania Council of Professional Geologists. A special thanks to Cheyenne DeLawrence for our introduction. I'm your host, Russ Losco. Please tune in again for future podcasts from PCPG.